Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, this is LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. I am excited to have my guest joining me today. She is the media and marketing manager for the Labors of Love. <laughs> I have with me today, Lorian Chavez. Hi, Lorian. Hi, LaShonda. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So um, I'm going to start with you like I do all my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? Um, it has changed, you know, during various stages of my life. I would say right now, uh, my biggest labor of love is, uh, my commitment to developing my brain. I would say education, um, which right now is building upon my own education. And, uh, I hope eventually once I have enough of a basis of knowledge, it'll, uh, extend to educating others. But, um, I would say, learning about my brain and teaching other people about their brains. Awesome. So where does your interest, your passion, and your labor of love for neuroscience, neurobiology, how the brain works in your own developing brain, where, where is that rooted for you? Um, I think I learned at a really early age. I'm, I'm really lucky to have the parents that I do who um, have done a lot of their own work of um, becoming cognizant of their lineage and, and trauma cycles and um, doing everything they can to sort of dismantle that with my sister and I. Um, so from a pretty early age, it was uh, really rooted in us that we have choice over our brains and minds. Um, there's a lot of sectors that we don't have choice in that we inherit, right? Or that is just sort of thrust upon us by the world. Um, but ultimately it's all our own responsibility to uh, unpackage that and learn about ourselves and, and repackage it and redeliver it out into the world. Um, so for me, um, I felt that I had a really difficult brain. I, I struggled with a lot of anxiety and depression and a lot of perfectionism um, that just was really detrimental to my mental and mostly physical health. Um, and so I got really passionate about learning how to take that control back and, and learning how to remap my brain and, and um, sort of deconstruct some of those things that had been so hardwired in me from some of my own experience, some of what was passed down through generations before me. Um, and once I started seeing success in that, um, that I could sort of take back control of, of both my mental and physical processes and that things weren't so out of my control um, and not everything needed to be in my control, all of those realizations were um, really beneficial for me. So I'm extending my own learning about that. And I've become really passionate about um, empowering other people with that, with that uh, ability of 
like changing their own neuroplasticity. It's, it's really good. Thank you. So one of the first things you said that I want to just talk about for a little bit is it's so often that many people talk about the impact of growing up with parents who had not actively done their own healing work, were not very self-aware of um, things that they were passing down to their children. So to hear you kind of name out the gate, the benefit um, of having parents who were, it seems like pretty intent on doing some of their own work. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I just kind of, I feel like there are a lot of people who, um, yeah, would appreciate hearing about that. Yeah. Um, I definitely have to give my, my parents so much credit. Um, they both had, uh, very full lives and and full lives in this world tend to be difficult and full of trauma um and they both committed a big part of their lives uh to their personal education they're both finishing up their phds right now um in psychology so uh, my sister has a degree in psychology i did my degree in psychology holidays are so fun and um and so it was we kind of all grew up together. My parents, uh, my mom had us really young and um, there was, you know, its own, their own consequences in watching your parents go through that process. But I think once I reached adulthood, it also brought on this, um, there was a big air of humanity around all of us. You know, there wasn't, there was definitely this, this like parental stance, right? Like I respected them, I, I, I did what they said. And, um, but it wasn't this like, oh, my parents are perfect or subhuman or like if I make mistakes, like it's so um, unprecedented or like, you know. So it was really amazing to be able to like watch them heal themselves um, and use my sister and I as like an outlet for their own healing, right? Like there's so much um, healing and gratification that can come when when you were parented, uh, not even poorly, just, you know, it's hard to parent <laughs> and like just imperfectly and, and things slip through the cracks to see them actively and like vocally, like they worked a lot with us of like, hey, I'm breaking this specific cycle. Like we are doing this together and very consciously um, that made it very human, uh, and made it very like, okay, we're all just here doing our best. And, and I saw them doing their best and they did a really great job. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, it's encouraging to hear. And I think one of the things that sticks out to me in what you said is that their healing was something that they talked about, that they were pretty overt in letting you and your sister know, here's this thing we're doing, right? And that was encouraging because sometimes I think that we, general we, believe that healing is this covert operation that gets done in the Mm -hmm. stealth of night. Um, (laughs) And no, no, it doesn't have to be. I love that you are able to articulate that and how your parents' healing journey while parenting you impacted you. And for so many of us who, I mean, I think that 
the many of you who tune in week after week, right? And, and to be honest, I don't know who you are. I just see numbers. But those who tune in week after week, I feel like you're drawn here for a reason. And, and part of that is this idea of our humanity. It's our idea of being able to listen to someone who's very real about their humanity and hear other people. And we endeavor to do better. I love hearing that we don't have to do it in secret. Um, one of the things I thought about when, uh, when you were talking is just this quick thought of like not being afraid to fail in front of your children, whatever that means. Um, because I think sometimes as parents or influential folk, so I say parents, but maybe you're the leader of an organization or whatever that thing is, maybe you're an older sibling. I think we sometimes think that the people that look up to us are going to focus on the failing. Instead, oftentimes they focus on how we got up, how we righted the wrong, how we repaired the rupture. And we take for granted that is some of the major parts of learning. So we endeavor to not fall, not fail, not make a mistake. And trust me, that's exhausting. Been there, done that, not gonna do that anymore um, when I'm consciously aware of it. <laughs> so I love it. So um, what, what do I want to ask you? I want to ask, so there's like formal education, right? Getting a degree and things like that. But since education and learning and developing in that way is so important to you, what are some of the other avenues that you use to, to learn, to grow and keep developing this passion of yours? That's a thoughtful question. Um, Again, I think it changes depending on the setting that I am in. When I was in college, like doing formal education, um, I was fully throwing myself into it. I, I also worked jobs and I, I didn't have a whole lot of time for anything else. And so I, I felt like a lot of the development that I needed was inherently uh, connected to other people because I spent a lot of time doing a lot of introspective work, doing a lot of my own shadow work, doing a lot of, um, I, I, I was like really arrogant for a long time that I was like, I can do it all myself. Like I can, if I read enough and I study enough about, you know, like who I am and, and what I need, like I can, I can do it all myself. Um, and then that was sort of extended when uh, I graduated college and um, had this period of, of gap time between um, I was planning on going out to Peace Corps and that kept getting postponed. Um, and so I set out on a really long road trip and it was just me in the mountains by myself living out of my car for quite a few months. Um, and and that involved a lot of solo introspective, um, just solo work. Like, like, all right, like what are the, where are the holes in my consciousness? Where are the gaps in my knowledge? How do I fill that? Um, and that's really hard to do by yourself. And it's really egotistical to think that you can do all, like make a full circle, like all by yourself. Um, and so I was very much in that mindset for a long time. Now I'm, I'm starting to uh, crave that like community component, this uh, healing yourself through helping heal other people, this um, breaking down the barrier between there's 
well, I need to do my own healing first before I even get near anyone else because I don't want to enter a conversation, make it all about me. I don't want to enter a conversation, make it all about them. Um, and it, that's not an effective way to try to perfect everything before you go into a healing space. So I know that was sort of a roundabout way, but it, it really has changed. It was very much solo work for a really long time and now sort of looking for someone to call me out when I think I know everything or uh, like working with more like holistic communities that are there for the same purpose. That's awesome. And I, I really do think that that is going to speak to a lot of people. In some ways, I believe we've been culturalized to believe that the work needs to be done on our own. We live in a very individualistic culture that suggests that um, our challenges are our fault, therefore overcoming those challenges are our sole responsibility. And in that, there's so much that gets overlooked. Um, the systems that are at work that are impacting individuals get overlooked. Um, I'm pretty sure several different occasions I've talked about this in some form, but it's also why uh, a large majority reason why I don't diagnose within my practice because diagnoses um, oftentimes centers the challenge to the individual and it does not look at the system and things that are happening culturally because often we are just having very normal reactions to abnormal experiences. We're having very reasonable responses to oppressive systems. And diagnosis says, here's the problem with you. And here are the things that need to be done by you or to you. And I, I just can't vibe with it. So um, that's, that's what I heard as you were um, you were talking. So I am extremely intrigued. And it's it's not that, you know, I don't want to generalize this or make it more global than it is, but I have had multiple instances to talk with people who are leaning into what I am going to call a very untethered, transient lifestyle by choice. I have heard the story of many people living out of their cars, but it was not intentional. <laughs> it was not by choice. <laughs> and, and now, <clears throat> excuse me, to come across several people. I know one person who's recently bought and like decked out a van, a couple of people actually, you know, and it's like van life, hashtag van life, you know, or I, you were living in the mountains from your car. Now I gotta be honest, that sounds awful to me. That sounds just crazy, but <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I hope to get to a place where um, being that close to nature does not feel it feel that crazy. I am a, a self-professed uh, urban dweller. Um, concrete is important to me. So <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm learning to, to grow in that area. But I would love to talk just a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. But even before that, like, tell me more, like, how how did you arrive at this decision to just kind of pack up um, your recent grad, right? <clears throat> so fairly young woman, which definitely does not speak to my thoughts of your inability, but the cultural, you know, the cultural narrative that is painted around the fragility and helplessness of women often, right? So this young woman decides, I'm gonna just pack my car up and I'm gonna go. So was there a destination in mind at first? Like, or does it just like, 
head in one direction. Just talk us through the decision and the journey that it's been for you. Yeah, um, (laughs) I definitely don't want to oversimplify it or um, glorify it to the point where I'm just like, oh, it was like this amazing spiritual journey, just meditating in the mountains for like eight months <laughs> um, at all. But for, for me, it was really important. Um, I, I landed on the decision um, because I, I needed something kind of extreme to kickstart the remapping of my brain that I was really trying to uh, achieve. So in high school and college, um, I had, again, a very extreme perfectionist mindset uh, surrounding everything, grades and performance and extracurriculars and and extra jobs um, and just everything. And I, it didn't come as easily as, as I wish it was. I like, I always joke that I'm not very smart. I just like know how to work really hard. Um, and I, I don't think that that's selling myself short. If anything, I think it's giving myself a lot of credit. Um, but I would just, um, like 18 hour days, 12 hour days of just like, like trying to shove all of this information into my head. Um, to, quali- to qualify for an honors class and that honors class would qualify me for this other class. And then once I got all of these and I could qualify for my minor and then maybe with this minor, like I could get into a neuroscience grad school. Um, and I'm so appreciative of that version of myself. Like she did so much and, um, and I don't know how she did it because me now, I don't know if I could do that. Um, but it, it caused, like I said, some, some mental health issues which translated into physical issues. So for the past five years or so, I've um, had really bad chronic pain that uh, took a really long time to diagnose. Um, I don't have the best health insurance and I wasn't so sure of what it was. And I was going through a lot of personal things at the time that sort of um, felt like it would be overwhelming to even try to venture out and like figure out what was happening. Um, in recent years, I've found out that it was, that it is um, stress-induced inflammation that I just let go way too far. So um, I always knew that I was like a stressed out person. I always knew I had anxiety, but I did not think that it was, um, you know, like we have this cultural narrative of like glorification of uh, stress and martyrism and addiction and like, you know, like so I just thought that it was like, you know, we're all, we're all like this. We're all doing this. We're all under the breach of capitalism. What's the choice? Um, and it started like affecting my body really badly to where like I would just be in, in bouts of pain and not be able to move. It eventually spread to my spine and I would just be seized up for whole days. And, um, and it was really, really hard. And I didn't know like what to do other than just like push through like doctors didn't have an answer so then well I still have to go to class I still have to go to work I still have to do really well um and so pushing through during that state was also really stressful and it just worsened the whole the whole thing so uh essentially I was told that if I don't get it under control if I don't calm down (laughs) and like sort of like 
relax <laughs> out of um, like I that I was going to permanently really mess up my body that it was going to turn into other diseases it was going to turn into like a permanent condition um and so I was like okay like it was it was just this sort of like nothing is as important as like as my body as my health and um and so I was like okay I need to stick with the stress and it's doing me really well until I graduate and once I graduate I, I need something extreme. So essentially, like the, the stress of like, you know, having to make a fire for like warmth, like the, of like, you know, like making sure that I'm at a good hiking pace. So I'm at my destination before sundown was like nothing. I was like, oh, this is so liberating. And it was so, it gave me a chance to undo all of my um, mental focus towards like results and like success and what are people going to say about me and what am I going to say on my resume and all of this stuff to like okay you wake up you're by yourself you're in the middle of the mountains let's figure out food okay food let's make a fire okay like we ate let's go for a walk let's find somewhere pretty to sit down and that was my whole day um and at my my body is is better than ever I've I've really undone a lot of that uh, physical damage. And so again, I know long-winded answer and I'm so sorry, but, um, there was a, a lot of things that factored into me being like, okay, I need something extreme <laughs> to, to get me to see life differently. It was a beautiful answer. It was absolutely beautiful and so inspiring. Um, so, so a few things I want to highlight about what you said. So I know that, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, you know, people search out things. I always say this is intentional. You aren't scanning through the radio and it happened to come on. Like if you're drawn to this, there are probably other things that you're drawn to similar to this kind of thing that I do. This will not be the first time that you've heard that stress can impact the body. But I know for some people, this will be the first time hearing the firsthand account of someone say, stress was killing my body. It was literally killing your body. And one of the things that I genuinely, I appreciate so much about you. One of the things is um, your ability to um, communicate exactly what you're saying. And your youth is something that um, that is so intriguing around this. Do you mind telling the listeners how old you are? Not at all. Um, I'm 22. I'll be 23 September 9th. 22 years old. I will spare you the, this is where I was when I was 22, right? But it's just <laughs> this idea, right? We're not talking to a woman who's in her forties or fifties and is talking about her body. We are talking about a young woman whose body began to say, uh-uh, I ain't about to do this with you your whole life. <laughs> That's what I heard. Her body, and it's intriguing to me. And, and again, I'm making crap up, like, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm weaving a thread of how she expressed her upbringing, the humanity 
of her upbringing. And then this very early, early recognition of her body saying, I ain't about to do this with you for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And how many of us have been conditioned to just keep pushing through that shit? Like, oh, this hurts? Well, life hurts. It ain't easy. I shared that I came downstairs and said I was tired the other day and I had an older Black woman tell me, oh, honey, you too young to be tired. I'm like almost twice her age. What you mean I can't be tired, right? But we are conditioned culturally. You keep pushing through in that badge of honor, Lorian, that you were talking about. That's it. Like we the bomb when we can just keep going and I can't help but connect. And it even makes me emotional to connect like this experience you had of your parents being human and how you were able to, I, I obviously would never try to, I, I have no idea what the pain level was like for you. And I, I would never minimize that. <clears throat> but I will also say that I know that there are people who've been through pain like you and they are conditioned and taught they got to push through. So I have so much respect for you as this young woman who was like, all right, we're going to get through graduation. We're going to do what we know to do. But then I got to make some drastic changes. How many of us, y'all, have, have really intuitively understood that we need to make some drastic changes, but, but we haven't. And in this case, you know, perhaps your youth, Lorian, and, and the fact that you are only responsible for yourself at this point, may that may be an easier choice. I want to minimize that. But I have so much respect. I am so inspired by the fact that you knew there was something to do. And even if you didn't have a roadmap for how to do it, you like, I can't keep doing this. That takes courage and to stick with it. And I am also so intrigued by what I heard, my synthesis of what you said is you, you, you simplified your life. What am I gonna eat? <laughs> Where am I gonna camp down? How am I gonna stay warm? How am I going to enjoy the beauty that's around me? So many of our lives are not that simple because we don't want them to be that simple. To be honest, we've been culturalized and our worth being around our ability to navigate complexity. And so when we get to the end of our day and we can rattle off all the things we've done in the day and how we had to fix this and solve that and navigate that, that helps us feel good about ourselves. But I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, even my body settled a little bit like, wow. That, that, that was, that was, and then you said that was my whole day. And she like did this thing with her hand and I'm like, wow, that was your whole day. There is something, even my body was like, that sounds nice. <laughs> Some of us don't even go on vacation and do that. We go on vacation and our vacations are twice as complicated as what she organized to be her whole life. Now, what I'm also gathering is you're not saying that that's going to be your whole life for the rest of your life. But for that period of time, it seems to have been effective. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how your body began? So you were saying your body is, is healthier now, but can you talk a little more specifically about differences that you noticed or were there moments in time? Like what was that physical healing component like as you went through the emotional mental healing? Yeah. Um... 
I would, the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was, uh, I'm not as reactionary anymore, right? So I used to, like, maybe as a trauma response, maybe just as an immaturity thing of like, you know, like wanting to be right or like thinking that everyone's attacking me or, or something like that. Um, that so before when a conflict happened or if someone was treating me with disrespect or anything, if there was anything that could, you know, sort of like hit that like amygdala, scary nervous system reaction, um, I would feel it in my body immediately. You know, like I would feel it in my head, obviously, but I would feel it in my body immediately. I would get in a fight with someone. And even if the fight was like, not a fight, but like a difficult conversation, you're right. Like we're in this tone. I would just seize up and be like, someone's mad at me. Someone doesn't like me. Some, something is bad. I did something wrong. Um, and my whole body would seize up or I would be angry because like they did something wrong or wrong in quotations. And, and that would be such a reactionary thing. And I would be in pain for the next three days. Um, now, not only do I not have as much of a reactionary response in general, am I able to sort of pull out, keep the tone here, separate myself from, you know, um, but I'm also, it's not affecting my body anymore. It like, it takes now like some visceral reaction, some, something um, huge to put my body into that state where before it was just like, like if I got a a B in a class, like all of a sudden, like my stomach would drop, my back would flare up, I would be in bed, <laughs> like and just like just so dramatic. And and I mean that trip just gave me so much perspective, so much time, so much reflection. That like things aren't that dramatic anymore. Like my body doesn't need to to be stable all the time. And I think that purposeful uprooting and that purposefully putting myself in a state of being very unstable when I need, when I've always needed to be stable, like I need to be stable in my classes. I need to know where I'm living next year. I need to know, I I need to know what my five-year, 15, 20-year plan is and feel really stable in that. Well, then anything, anything that sort of rocked me or unstabilized that foundation just shook me to my core literally and my body would flare up and now you know I got my balance back I I was in this now almost a year of being purposefully uprooted and and being very technically unstable and in that I've become really um comfortable in my body comfortable in my space like I can feel at home wherever I am in the country if I don't know anyone there um, and that was so not something that I had before. Um, so I think that's probably made the biggest difference. Mm, that's beautiful. <clears throat> it, it was specifically the part where you said, I can feel at home wherever I am. Ooh, that, that, that's deep because you started to feel at home in your body mm-hmm. and, and your body's wherever you are. Right. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us feel like a forever sojourner in a foreign land because we are foreign to ourselves to our bodies and the 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 process and evolution that you described 
um, really feels like a, a homecoming and welcoming to self in so many ways. That is, that's amazing. Um, and to be clear, like a lot of us don't have the um, flexibility or option really to just be like, you know what? <clears throat> I'm gonna just throw caution to the wind, hop in my car and drive. But what what is a version of this? This idea that we are so, um, well, there's a word that I can't think of, but we are um, dependent. We are so dependent on control that placing ourselves in a position where we are not in control can actually be healing sounds counterintuitive, right? If I need control in order to feel safe, why in the world would I put myself in a place where I constantly don't have control? Well, part of it is because that control is an illusion anyway. And when we can put ourselves in a space where we recognize that it, it is an illusion and it's going to be okay, it is part of that healing process that that's amazing. So that is, that's, I've clearly um, have such great affection for you um, and have always been inspired by you, but I'm so glad that other people have had the opportunity to just hear a version of what the choices you've made in order to prioritize, like your healing and wholeness is amazing. <clears throat> so you. you're welcome. Um, so you also do um, media and marketing for, what was the name of the company again? <laughs> The Labors of Love, LLC. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, no. So, you know, uh, the story of how Lorian and I met, um, and this is this is going to go, and now that I think about it, maybe I've talked about it here. Like I said, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know me more than most people, because um, this is where I just come and get it all out. But I would say my getting connected with Lorian, which I mean, at this point, I mean, we're getting close to a year. I feel like like coming up in like July or something that went really fast was really this, this point of like surrender for me. So I got to a point in my business where it's like, I cannot keep doing all this myself. It is not sustainable. Either I was just too worn out because I'm doing everything or more likely stuff just went undone. I stopped caring about certain things like social media posts and marketing because it's just like it's just enough to to do the work I've always said I love my work the business eh, you know not so much but I gotta run the business to do the work and as customary for me but this has been a theme uh, um, with growing comfort in this theme of me saying here nope what am I saying this started before then but Here's the thing I need and desire. I'm not going to actively seek it, but I'm putting it out there. So this happened with my office. I was in a shared office space and I just put it out there. Like I, I want my own space. I'm not gonna actively go seek it, but I am trusting that what is for me will come to me. And it did. So last year, probably right around this time last year, even earlier in the year, um, as I was going through my slow down, be still evolution, that was um, such a tremendous growth process, not guided by myself, very much spiritually, divinely guided. I got to a point where I was like, oh, this is not sustainable. I can't, I can't do it all. I need someone to help me. Now, I don't even, I'm not gonna actively seek this person because 
honestly, I don't even know what I, I don't know what I need. <laughs> I don't know what I want. I just know I can't do it myself. And, and by putting it out there. So I say, I, I can put that out there in like prayer, but I'm also talking to people saying exactly what I just said. And I had two people come back with me. They're both colleagues and friends who were like, Hey, I know this person. And it was two separate people. Um, and they were both relatively young ladies who they thought would be a good fit. Great. And I was doing something, I don't know, a workshop or something. So I invited both of them to come to the workshop. Um, I did the workshop and then I was going to be meeting like a, a Zoom meeting with each of them early in the week. One of the young ladies had some kind of family emergency. That's what she said. I had a family emergency um, and wasn't able to make the meeting. Never heard back from her. No problem. <clears throat> and then I met with Lorianne. She came highly um, recommended, really based off of her mom. <laughs> so my friend and colleague is colleagues with her mom. And it's like, her mom is the bomb. I know she's going to be the bomb. She went to school for this. And she's interested in the work we do and all that stuff. So I met with Lorianne. And um, what I genuinely appreciated about Lorianne that I didn't really realize until I was meeting with her is that she had come to the workshop and had been participating. I was in my zone. I didn't make the connection at the time. Like, oh, this is the young lady that I invited to this thing. And I could tell that her goal wasn't to come on and impress me. She was just being herself. And when I said things like, I don't even know what I need. She was okay with that. <laughs> because what I needed was someone to be there, to do the things that I needed done, even if I didn't know what those things were. Now to some people, going into a job interview where the person interviewing you is like, eh, I don't really know. <laughs> what would you be doing? I kind of don't know. What's the requirement? I, uh, I don't know. Well, how many hours? I, it just, I, I didn't know anything. Right. But now that I listened to Lorianne tell her story about where she was, I feel like that was an excellent fit. I didn't know that at the time. You know, she wanted to be completely uprooted and not be fastened to control. Well, if, if I wasn't given that, I, <laughs> I was definitely like, listen, I don't know. And I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go. And I need someone who is going to have the flexibility to just go on the ride with me. If I say something one day and I change it the next day, it's not because I'm being inconsistent or it's not because, it's because I'm figuring it out. And what I ultimately realized is I didn't need someone who was going to come in stuck in perfectionism, trying to get it right. Cause I don't write what, I don't even know. I don't even know what I asked you for. And people who are stuck in that space are going to need some kind of validation that they're doing it perfectly. And I don't even remember what I asked you to do, but I, you know, and so it has worked <laughs> because I think I came to that and Lorian can correct me if I am wrong. I'm always open to that, but I think I came honest and open and transparent. I have no idea what I need. I just know I need someone. I need someone who's going to walk the journey with me as I figure this thing out. Um, and, and someone who's up for the task and that's okay. And uh, she, she's done that. So what has this journey been like for you, Lorian? Um, 
as you talk about the journey, you know, working with me and LOL, but also as it has coincided with your own personal journey? Well, similar to you, it just feels very parallel. It feels very um, meant to be. I, I, I didn't know what I needed at the time. I um, was getting ready to, again, live in my car off of a very small savings that I had worked my butt off for and was ready to just see dwindle away. And um, I got this recommendation from my mom to do some uh, work for one of one of your colleagues. And I had talked to her and she had very similar needs and it just wasn't the right time. It just uh, like wasn't meant to be. And the one thing that I do believe in like wholeheartedly is that I can't miss out on an opportunity that I'm meant to have or that I'm not going to like what's meant what's meant to be will come and what's not meant to be will flood right past and so then I I didn't hear back from her for a little bit of time and I was like oh I guess she doesn't need my services I guess I'm probably going to be fine out there without (laughs) it's going to be fine and then I get uh hooked up with you through her and it was just like oh meant to be and I go to your workshop and I loved everything that you were saying and I love participating and I I really liked the demographic of people that were there that were really excited to learn about that and were interested in in being like an active participant and and then when we interviewed and you were like I don't know what I need what do you need and I was like I don't know I'm here to support you in any way that you need and and it grew to be so amazing I mean like I I hope I'm not alone in saying it has just felt like a very um easy meant to be uh very mutually rewarding experience like I have gotten so much just out of being able to have a boss that I'm able to build relationship with being able to uh work for someone that is trauma-informed and and has um I I don't mean this like comparatively to anyone, but just like a bigger capacity than most to be able to, to hold different stories and things like that was really rewarding. And to be able to see you do that for other people up close um, in a way that I've also seen hasn't compromised anything for you is very inspiring. Like, like you said, I want to, I want to get into this work in, in, in different fields, but this is the work I want to do like somatics, trauma informed, uh, like generational trauma and and I've watched my mom do this work and and she is amazing all of the recommendations everyone go check out Amy Chavez restorative somatics but like I said she started really young and she had two kids so young trying to then build this knowledge and this education base and I saw for a really long time it take this toll on her. She wasn't able to say no to people. She, she wanted to do everything for cheaper or for free, or, you know, like she is such a bright and brilliant person and wants to share that all with the world, similar with you. And I don't know what your journey with like has, has been, but it's been so rewarding to see you strike this balance and I don't know how if it's a projected balance and you're like no it's it's hard but 
this balance of um, I see you taking care of yourself and I see you taking time to prioritize you. I also see the times that you can't and you have kids and you have business and and I can't believe that you hold this whole business on your back. But um, that's been so inspiring for me to see of like, oh, like someone that can do it all and they're not, you know, superhero doing it all to where they're having to sacrifice um, themselves. So that's been one of the most rewarding parts of this job, I think. Well, I appreciate that. And it is very mutually held. Um, You know, as I was talking, putting it out there, if you will, one of the ways when I say putting it out there is I truly believe that. So if if you haven't read the book, The Alchemist, I was looking up to see the author um, and it's up there and I'll get it in a second, but The Alchemist. So I've told y'all, I'm I'm not much of a reader. I I have those things. I have read the book cover to cover and I have uh, started to read it a second time. It's, It's really good. And I really love just so much about the book when he, but when the book talks about the universe will conspire to help you reach your legend, you know, I, I truly, I, I've, I've leaned into, and I see that. So part of it is I tell people what I need, not because I think they're the person to meet the need, but I need them to know that I have a need and maybe they know someone, but it, again, it's not as strategic as, okay, I'm going to tell you so you can tell you, I just need, I'm putting it out there. So everybody knows. And, and I did that. Right. And so Sarah Buffy, who was a guest, um, he's one of my guests and will be a guest again soon. I think, um, actually I have to reschedule with her, but she's coming back. Um, is the colleague that we share and like her and I, we do have so many overlapping needs, um, in our businesses and things like that. So just put it out there and being honest with people. You know, some people said, have you considered a digital, what's it called? Is it called a a virtual assistant and things like that. But I'm also kind of like, yeah, I, I know people who know me will be a good reference point. And that's what happened. And it's been great. You know, what I have appreciated so much. um, The first time she like referenced her add to herself as my personal assistant it was like jolting I read that like wait a minute what I guess I do have a personal assistant (laughs) this is wild I, I never thought of those words like that but what what I needed was someone to be there when I needed something I mean (laughs) that was the job description and I I couldn't tell her when I was going to need her or what I was going to need I'm reasonable I wouldn't wake up at three o'clock in the morning and and it's not I expect it done now I just needed to know that hey I I am carrying a lot and sometimes I unintentionally drop things and is there someone who will be able to catch that thing that I drop or more aptly someone to say how about I help you rearrange your plate so you stop dropping stuff (laughs) and and that and that was the relationship that we grew and figured it out and one of my favorite things is so before that here I I feel like there's definitely gonna be a message embedded in here before Lorianne there was Jay y'all know Jay my producer my husband loves me (laughs) And sometimes we will have people doing things that they are not equipped to do simply because they're present and they love us. And it is their pleasure to do it. But we can, that is not always a great match. Sometimes sometimes we take advantage of them 
unintentionally. Sometimes we have expectations that are not matched to their skill levels, some, it, all these things, and it gets murky because they see the work that we're putting in. So like one thing I can say about Jay, he is in the studio with me so he can yell and correct me if I'm wrong, but he would do anything for me. He loves me. He loves my work. He, um, he supports me like no other. He, he believes in my work. He sees the behind the scenes of like how real this thing is to me, right? So there's nothing he wouldn't do for me, but the things I needed were not a good match for his skill set. Now the podcast, that's his jam, okay? I'm to the point where all I do, what y'all hear, that's the extent that I have to do with this podcast. I'm gonna get up from this chair and he's gonna do the rest. But some of these other things I was needing, he was attempting to fill. And when Lorian came, it was so funny. The very first social media post that she did, which often is like, you know, if you, I, every Sunday we do a self-care Sunday. So I do whatever the self-care Sunday is. And then there is a blurb that goes along with it. And for the longest, I have been writing the blurb and, and doing the self-care Sunday. Well, I gave her the self-care Sunday and she put it out there and she wrote the blurb. And I went to Jay and I was like, read this. And um, he read the self-care Sunday, which are always going to be my words but then he read the blurb and he was like who wrote that and I was like see the fact that you don't even know who wrote it I found my match she wrote it he was like man she's so much better than I am <laughs> that's <laughs> terrible Jay take it back <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't wrong Jay were you wrong I was not wrong. You are so much better than I am. At some things. At being her number one supporter, I could never. <laughs> True that. But that, that's when we were like, oh my goodness. I read the blurb and I was like, I know I didn't write that, but it's like I wrote that. And that was the first confirmation for me of like who, because let's be honest, anyone who has built anything, nurtured something, it's hard to let go. Even if you know holding on is killing you, <laughs> stressing you out. And so it, it wasn't even a conscious hard to let go. It was a, if I write it, I know what I'm putting out there. And to be able to like relinquish that to someone who does not necessarily say it like I would say it, but I'm like, oh, I, would, I wouldn't have even, because that's the thing, especially for self-care Sundays. I give it to her and she interprets it and she writes the blurb. And there are times and I'm like, I wouldn't have even taken it in that direction, but that's good. And I just go, there have been a couple of times where I was like, I actually did have an intention for where I wanted this to go. And so I just communicated and her response is always, oh yeah, no problem right? Versus I think even myself, if I were in her role, and I'd be like, well, you ain't saying the hell is I supposed to know? You know, it's so easy to get defensive or be like, but is that not? And it's never, it's not good enough. So this match has taught me so much about um, what it truly means, <clears throat> excuse me, to be the business owner I want to be. It, it has, it has 
uh, opened up a whole new realm. It's also like caused me to challenge these long held beliefs that I didn't even know were present. Like if I don't do it, it can't, it ain't going to get done. This whole thing that I get where they came from, but they just aren't true. I had to go back to my three questions. Who told me that and where did I learn it? Is it true or is it still true? And <clears throat> who's benefiting and who's being harmed by this? And so it, it has felt so good to build a practice with someone who is helping me build it, y'all. That's, that, that is an amazing thing where her... She's exactly what I what I didn't know that I needed, which was someone to help me build this thing by bringing themselves what I didn't need, but I said many times, you know what I need? I just need another me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have said that countless times throughout my life. I just need to clone myself. What I need is another me to do for me what I do for me, right? And the reality was I didn't need another me. In this season, I needed Lorianne. I needed her voice, her perspective. I love how she writes and all of these things. So now just putting some respect, when y'all see stuff out there, people will assume it's me. A lot of times it ain't even me. I see posts for the first time. I'd be like, oh, that's good. <laughs> Who is that? Oh, that's Labors of Love. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I didn't do that. It feels so good to see my work out there and to see things getting done. And I'm not the person who physically had to do it. So I just hope this is encouraging for people out there who whatever capacity, you know you need the help. We, we Come on, y'all. We really aren't surprised that we need the help. But what it takes to be able to relinquish the control that is needed for people to not only help us, but to be them full selves in helping us and not just being clones of us. I, I think that that takes a lot. Any thoughts about that? I'm, I'm just over here blushing. So grateful for, for all of your beautiful testimonies. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm shocked that you were able to do it all before I came along, you know, like if anything, I mean, I only know a portion of what goes into your business every day. And I get some communication from you of the things on your to-do list. One time I opened up Wix and I saw your calendar and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, so truly. And so I can only assume that there was, you know, there's only so much of you. And if you're pouring your whole heart into all of these sectors of your business, which is your whole heart, you know, you're, you're giving a percentage of yourself to each one. And the one thing that I've seen is like taking social media off your plate. You know, you you still have all of that creativity. You're still giving me all of the juice to like, to make stuff out of. Um, but, you know, it's not like that energy just disappears. You're able to redirect it into your skill. You know, like it's, I, I've had the privilege through my mom of seeing lots of people within this business and it's so hard for all of them to get it to a business level because the work that you do is not business, you know, it's, it's empathetic and it's, it's slow and it's individualized and it's compassionate and to turn that into a business model. Well, how rare is it that someone is gifted with both this like spiritual, like, introspective and community-led work and like leadership and then they also 
have all of the tools to run a business by themselves. Well, how many times does that come in one person? I see you doing it all, but I've also seen that once that, once this one component is lifted off your shoulders, you know, you go back to pouring all of that back into the work, like what you're good at, like what started all of this. So I'm just glad that I can take some of that off your shoulder. Cause again, with the martyrism, you know, like people can give you all of the pats on the back in the world for, you know, like you're doing so much good job. And you're like, I don't need a pat on the back. My back hurts from carrying all of this by myself. (laughs) So just kudos to you for getting so far before I even came along. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I love our love fest going on here. Hoping people are feeling <laughs> the same thing we're feeling, you know, and one thing that I have been saying lately, and, and I'm, I'm gonna say it here, is sometimes we got to learn how to put some respect on our own names. And that is something I've been saying to myself, as I, li- as I genuinely am listening to people who are not blowing smoke up my behind, but they're being, they're giving an honest assessment. And I realize that sometimes I'm one of the people, I'm one of the last people to put respect on my name, you know, and, and it was when I was talking, Buffy and I were talking and we were just talking and I'm like, girl, like her, 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 we're colleagues at the heart, you know, we do at the root, same work, but very different. And I just made the comment of like, you know, you, you, your enterprise over here is this. And she like, girl, that's because you possess the skills <laughs> to do that all. And I had never thought of it that way, right? This whole idea that sometimes all that we are and all that we have, we take for granted those things. And so for me, like how many times do a person do this? And I'm like, I thought all the time. What I'm learning is no, not all the time. And that actually, that doesn't take me one up. That doesn't make me, you know, feel arrogant or grandiose. It humbles me. And I've come into a new, I've come into a new grounded humility, which does not mean, which I thought I used to think that it meant lowliness. No, it just means accurateness. The humility that I'm sitting in now is because I have begun to accurately assess who I am. And in that accurate assessment, I don't need to go one up or one down. It just is. And when I am accurately assessing my gifts, then I can not only um, honor them well, but I can have gratitude for them well. And I do have gratitude for all the things that I do. I take, I I often, every week, (laughs) Jay tells me, like, I don't put enough respect on how much I do. But what I will say is I am so grateful to have a community of people who are supporting me. And so Lorian is part of that community. And for those who, again, are just kind of, you're so used to doing it on your own. That's okay. You can be used to doing it on your own, but you don't have to. Um, and it feels amazing. Um, if you are listening to this podcast because you heard about it on TikTok, that is 1000% Lorian. I mean, I won't say kicking and screaming, but I was like, ain't nobody about to be on no TikTok, right? <clears throat> because of, you know, this perception, that's where I felt real old. That's the that's them young kids over there doing the floss, you know, I found it really ridiculous. It was kind of funny, but no, like so much of my gift is now being put, it's more accessible to people because of TikTok. And that was Lorianne coming in, being her authentic self and simply saying, I think there is an opportunity here. She hears what I say. And then she comes back 
with here are the possibilities, which is what I need. I have ideas all the time, but taking that idea to something that's executable is not, that's the thing I don't have the time for, the energy for, or honestly the desire. So to be able to say a thing and have someone come back and say, and here's how we can execute it. And I wanna be clear, almost a year ago, when I invited her into this business and into my life, I did not articulate that because I did not know it. Not only, it's not that all of a sudden I'm clear about what I need. She helped me learn what I need by being her authentic self. So whether you're talking about a business partner, a life partner, an exercise partner, anybody you are trying to partner with in life, sometimes we have been taught you need to have a list of things so you know what you're looking for so you can manifest that thing. Sometimes it's okay not to know. Sometimes you lean into allowing people into your space. And as you find good fits, you learn what you need because they brought it. Sometimes you're going to be in a relationship with someone else and you want them to have perfectly executed ideas of what they want and all the things nailed down. And if they don't, you think they're not a good fit. Maybe not so. Maybe when you show up, you are the personification of what they need. You help them figure it out because you are what they need. So I think if we can hold loosely these rigid ideas we have about what partnerships look like. And what I love about it is Lorian is my partner. It's not about establishing, you know, who owns it. No, I, I'm not worried about her taking my thunder. I'm a whole storm, y'all. She can have some thunder. <laughs> she can have some lightning too. I am a whole storm coming through this place. And I do not have to hold tight to relinquishing, not letting go of space. I have been blessed to walk through some doors because of other people's names. Mary Vicario being one of the main ones when I started out. And so now I walk through doors, people want me and now I'm saying they're coming with me. Oh, that, that, nope, they're coming with me. And I'm bringing people through those doors with me because I know what's been given to me. To whom much is given, much is required. But also with great, what is it? Come on, Peter Parker. With great power comes great responsibility. Like we have all these adages, right? I hold it all. I have always known that I've been given 10 talents. To whom much is given, much is required. And I take that requirement seriously, but that don't mean I got to do it alone. And so I, I love, love, love that Lorian and I have been able to share um, just a little bit of what this journey together has been like. But y'all, isn't she amazing? <laughs> like, I, I just, I love her so much. And her, just her life, it inspires me in so many ways. So Lorian, anything that we didn't get to talk about or anything that you wanna, just any parting words for our listeners? No, again, I'm just over here blushing. I love the compliment fest that's happening. Um, closing words. Please follow us on all social media accounts. Please DM us on any of our social media accounts, your email, if you'd like to be included in our monthly newsletter. A lot of the time deals for workshops and courses are included in there, so you don't want to miss out. Labors of Love has been such an amazing opportunity for me, and I'm so grateful that I have been welcomed so gracefully into this amazing community that LaShonda has built over the years. I love it. So if people were listening and they heard something, they're interested in just you and your personal journey, or they want to get in touch with you, how might they do that? 
I'm, I'm not on too much social media, but I am on Instagram and I'm always open to, to DMs or, or connecting with people that just think that we would get along and have fun things to talk about. Um, cool thing about having a unique name is no one else has any of my usernames. So just Lorian Chavez on pretty much every platform, L-O-R-I-E-N-C-H-A-V-E-C. Um, and I love connecting with people. So if you just think that we would even get along based off of what I've said today, let me know. Awesome. We will obviously have her information in the show notes. Lorian, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been amazing. Thank you. I so appreciate you. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who provides all of the music for the Labors of Love podcast, and my producer, Jay Suck from Instant Classic Media. And of course, you, my listeners, I love y'all so much. I never take it for granted that you tune in to listen. If you have um, suggestions for guests or content, go to the website. We have a uh, suggestion form there on the welcome page. Don't forget, we're on all the major social media outlets. She already told y'all to come on and follow us. Um, Now you can see and you can hear who's behind so much of the masterful things that are going out on social media we have our youtube channel where all of the therapy thursday videos are housed and if you have not already y'all just today take a second to give us that five-star rating write a review and share the podcast with your friends and loved ones until we connect again you all be well